to wonder pod episode 299 299 down or soon to be down and one remaining which we will have some details on that um later on in the show unfortunately i think we got glycinator all screwed up and so he was unable to join us this week i can't remember if you and i mentioned that last week because we knew we were going to be recording on a friday yeah. um i'm not sure <clears throat> Also, we are recording on a Friday, which for those of you that listen to it when you're at work, our apologies, you'll just have to listen to it on Monday now, um, which always makes it so tempting for me to not worry about posting it until like Sunday. <laughs> I always do it. I don't know. Well, first off, joining me as he always does and has for the last m multiple years, it's John. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm excited for the penultimate episode. Looking pretty green in Newfoundland from the... Heck yes, I gotta mow my lawn tomorrow, assuming the rain keeps away. It's uh, it's, it's been it's been wow, moderately moderately warm. Wow, it's like you're living in California. And all of a sudden, as we start recording, not bullshitting like we were a minute ago, my chair has decided to squeak. That is the next thing I'm saving money for is a chair. <laughs> partly because this one kills my back and partly because it's just an old crap piece of shit that I probably shouldn't have bought. I don't know. I've, I've been dealing with a squeaky chair for about, what is it, how long have I been on the show? Around 250 episodes or so? You know, the 200? funny thing is, is although the YouTuber crowd would tell you that that Blue Yeti is when you're still in amateur status. I saw that on Twitter today. I'm like... <laughs> Are you? It's like, well, to a point, it kind of is if you're really going for top-notch sound quality. But I, I, there's a lot of guys that still use them that have a big subscriber base because yeah. they work really well for a USB. Well, you know, I mean, compared to what I was using before, which was a headset that I bought for 15 bucks at Walmart, it's a, <laughs> it's a major step up. Don't worry about it, folks. Well, and that's the, the that's you know part of the reason. I'm very comfortable with us ending this show. It's such a struggle now for me because seeing stuff like that, what the tweet was, basically, it was this young young um, UK YouTuber. Well, I won't call him young, but he's in his 20s, so he's young to me. Uh, or I shouldn't call him young. And talking about how, oh, he's got 3 million subs and still using a Blue Yeti. Look, I get that you're trying to be funny. But much like anybody trying to make jokes out of the political candidates in this country, you're failing miserably. <laughs> you know, and I think at times it's okay to make those jokes, but somewhere in that strata, you have to reassure people who maybe that's what all they can afford, or maybe they can afford less than that. I mean, John, at this point, you have a better mic than I do. You know, I'm still using the the sixty dollar one that I that I bought to test out the theory of using a stand mic versus a headset. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I just I really struggle with with a lot that's going on in gaming and how do I affect this more positively? And it just it seems to compound and grow every day. You know, everything's got to be a controversy, and you're either with us or you're against us. And, you know, mentality. And I just, it's too difficult to stay even sort of positive sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, like, you you peruse the news, you know, quite a bit. Is, are there just ever days where you're just like, why in the hell am I even looking at this? Mm-hmm. 
It's true. I've I've had those moments, and it's pro- it's, pro- it's things like that are probably why I, I don't peruse quite as much as I as I once did. Yeah, I I I obviously feel it's it's my responsibility to to peruse it as much as possible so that we have stuff to talk about. I mean, toward toward the end here, we have covered a lot of the same ground. This that and the other thing. We're not talking about the Hail Hydra stuff. I could so care less about that. And that's what I'm talking about. That became a thing, you know. In a, in a, I mean, does that did that strike you as silly? If you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a comic, or I'm almost an American Captain guy. Oh God, I need to stop watching YouTube videos. Um, somebody in a YouTube video I was watching fucked it up and said American Captain guy. <laughs> Captain America <laughs> said Hail Hydra and the internet as per usual, and this is a prime example of why it's a struggle. Still fun to do this show, but that's the the struggle aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Did that strike you as silly because of the fact that they retcon the crap out of that stuff so often that it could be here today and gone tomorrow, and probably will be now that the internet shit its collective biscuit? Uh, I I, um, I it's it's as if people don't remember about you know things publicity stunts and and mix, mixing things up spider-man organic web shooters oh my god i can't believe they changed it ah you know th- things come full circle more often than not in in comics people don't stay dead very often you know it's people losing their collective shit is not waiting around for the, for the full story it's the same not as i usually do i bring it back to wrestling you know, one event where somebody gets beat and everyone loses their minds, and and you know, there is there is an element of waiting to see how the story develops in you know episodic <laughs> entertainment, whether that be comics or wrestling or or TV shows. I mean, let's see how it plays out. I mean, in my opinion, I'm I would say with with a lot of confidence that it's going to be Captain America, triple agent of Shield. <laughs> He's going to you know. Well, he was with Hydra, but no, he's not actually, because he's actually with the good guys all along. You know, it'll, it'll be something like that that'll, that'll retcon the retcon. You know. So, uh, mute mute button for a whole new reason. With this setup, I actually have to move my mouse from uh, left to right rather than right to left on my two monitors, and I'm I'm having issues. <laughs> so that was a mute button because it was in the wrong window. Ah, so, um, so, so you're trying to overcome mus- muscle memory. Pretty much, yeah. I, I can't wait until tomorrow morning when I go to play a video game or something and, and it's all fucking out backwards for, for me. But um, I'm sure I'll survive. It's about having fun anyway. But the other thing I think that crept into it is it, you get the sense that the younger crowd is very uneasy about the fact that Hydra is basically just a synonym for, um, or it's basically just the modern version of the Nazi party. Mm, Did you get that sense in some of the stuff that, that was connected to this, that, Oh, Captain America is joining the Nazis. You know, some people were reading way more into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not, super into the ins and outs of Hydra, but I'm fairly certain while there might be some parallels, I don't, I don't think they're actually the Nazis or, 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 or exactly like them. I think there's a little more to it than that, but. Uh, they have, I think they've linked them fairly, not concretely, but 
it's pretty hard to say that they're not. I, I, in I, some I, old books. Yeah, maybe in some old stuff. But I, I'd, I'd be shocked if they still were in 2016. Or in, in, any, in any kind of real connection. Well, and that just leads to a whole new set of problems to me. Because, okay, yeah, the Second World War, World War was 70 years ago. 70 plus years ago. And the greatest way to create another Hitler is to just shut out all of that history because, oh, Nazis, not politically correct, bad. They killed lots of people, which they did, and they were horrible things. But so, even in the comic book realm, it can have value to teach people who are not going to read a history book, who are not going to take the time to understand all the fuck-ups humanity has made in the past, all of mm -hmm. us collectively. And so... Even though it's a cliched statement, it's an absolutely true statement. We're going to be bound to repeat it, you know? Yeah. And and I just, I get really concerned that by shutting all this out, it's almost an attempt that, okay, we're going to pretty this up so that nobody gets upset or offended. But at the same time, it it has the byproduct of almost acting like it never existed, mm -hmm. you know? And I understand that, you know, this the fun little uh, democracy wars that the U.S. got into were brutal, as we talked about with the World War One thing. All wars brutal, but there's shades and colors of brutality. And World War Two and World War One, you know, were far more brutal than anything the Western world has got up to. Mm, maybe Korea a little bit, but definitely not Vietnam. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely not our two invasions of, of uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And I, I just, I, it really concerns me. And I saw that sentiment of, oh, you can't talk about Hydra, that's the Nazi party, you know, just jumping to conclusions, painting with a broad brush, because that's how you have to do it on the internet, because there's no room or really format for nuanced conversation, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I just, we just hit the panic button so easy in gaming anymore. And it just gets harder every damn day to face that, you know? Yeah. Because I'll see things on my Twitter all the time that it's like a little rumbling. And I'm like, okay, you know, it could be a Monday. And you know, okay, by Wednesday, that's going to be the newest shitstorm everybody's freaked out about. But the one that started last Monday, nobody even remembers or talks about. You know, there was an actual resolution to that one. And nah, nobody's going to talk about that. That's old news, man. Old news is old. <laughs> and meanwhile, things that truly freaking matter are slipping through the cracks like there's no tomorrow, you know, yeah. because because reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking. Who was I talking to? I don't remember. It was somebody here that somebody in my in my town that was a, that is a at least a. I, I'm not going to put a title on it. That they're, they're a gamer like us and. You know, I, I, I said flat out, for my money, I mean, yeah, I know EA gets a lot of the shit, but for my money, Ubisoft has got to be the worst gaming company in the world when it comes to just shit, shitty tactics and shitty practices. And, you know, and, and there's some things about Nintendo, too, that I am really not fond of. But it's perception, man. EA is yeah. the devil, and so that's who gets the shit, not, you know... I gotta, I, I gotta ask you because I have said, and and tonight since we're this close to the end, I'm I'm going to explain it further. Do you think? I mean, it's coming up in like three weeks, I think. Do you think you will pay any attention at all to E3 now that you know we're not going to be doing a show for it? There's going to be no, you know, 
no intrinsic reason outside of you know joining the rest of the crowd to uh to to follow what's happening in los angeles um well i'll i would say i don't i i'll probably have a less direct interest in e3 partly because of the show i mean even if i wasn't doing the show i'd have some interest in in just catching up on the, on the buzz, see a few recaps, look at a few screenshots, trailers, that kind of. Thing. Uh, I will say that this year, the fact that Nintendo is not showing much of anything at all, other than than Zelda. I mean, I'll watch for the Zelda stuff, but it's kind of the thing where I wish there was more, and that would kind of get me more excited for other other things as well. Um, so it kind of brings me down a little bit, especially where I don't, again, still don't own a current gen system. Uh, so it'll probably be a little bit less, even less than last year. <clears throat> now that being said, I, I I don't know if you saw my my tweet this week, but there is the chance that that uh, that Wanda may may push for uh, an Xbox One uh, simply because there is new Rock Band DLC. So uh, that that features Twisted Sister, and so if that happens between now and E3, well then maybe uh, my interest might be a little more piqued. <laughs> I might be a little more pissed, however, if they announce an uh, you know an Xbox 1.5 or whatever the the rumors are calling it. Uh, but you know, there's the chance. <laughs> there's more of a chance than I had yesterday. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm. You know, I've got the PC built now. I've got uh, which I was was going to talk about, but I decided I'm not going to bore you with it. I'm very happy with it. I'm proud of myself. Which, if you know me very well at all, I'm—I rarely actually even say that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it was an accomplishment. I, I, it felt really good that I didn't have that many problems. I got it built in one day. Um, I had it up and running the same day. I built it last Friday. But now that that is done, minus a few minor tweaks here and there that aren't going to cost you know uh, a lot of cash. I'm my next plan is probably to start looking at a PS4. But I definitely want to see what they're doing with these half consoles as i've started to uh <laughs> fucked up my sentences there I, as i've started calling them you know like yeah. halftime consoles yeah and because I, what i really need to know and maybe this also applies to you i really need to know if they're going to be worth waiting for are these yeah. specs going to be that much better that i can't get by with a ps4 when they go on, you know, regular PS4, when they go on sale, <laughs> because the new ones are out, you know. Yes, that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the least bit afraid of spending money. Obviously, I, <laughs> obviously not. But it doesn't mean I'm going to spend it stupidly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And and I think I finally got it through to AJK that I definitely want to play on the PS4 because like they're playing Overwatch right now, you know. And as yeah. much as I, I am not super interested in Overwatch. If it was him and his group of friends from work, you damn right, I'd plop down 60 bucks for Blizzard's version of Team Fortress 2. Which, by the way, so that it's known, because he's told me this 67 times, Agent K is one of the few people on planet Earth that doesn't think it's like anything like Team Fortress 2. Um, so, but the majority of people I've, you know, that I've read talk about it, that have played it, and the streams I've watched of it, it's Blizzard's take on Team Fortress 2. But you gotta give Blizzard credit, man. Yes, they borrowed from a lot of other games. Like, even Agent K brought up to, uh, like, Hellborn, I think, which is one I was not familiar with, amazingly enough, and Shadowrun. But Blizzard has this amazing method of just amalgamating 
all kinds of influences into something that is the new kitty crack. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know about on your Twitter stream, but and my Twitter stream and other social media, Facebook, believe it or not, face even Facebook, it it's was the topic of the week in gaming, at least. You know, mm-hmm. some more power well, to them. Well, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, where's Team Fortress Three? If 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 it's such a you know, if Valve won't jump on that on the on on that with with a fresh you know game. I don't, granted, Team Fortress Two is is still running uh, pretty good, I think. But I mean, if they don't want to come out with a new game in that in that vein, then why not someone else pick up the ball, like you say? Well, and Blizzard just knows how to make it appealing. Like I, I totally agree with the people that are like, "Hey, wait a minute! Don't just because it's Blizzard, don't not give them shit for the microtransactions that are in it." Even though I think the bulk of them are cosmetic, and and sorry, at this point, you're not going to get me to care. Um. But the uh, but at the same time too, that's the that's the effect of Blizzard. They they have this ability to just make people overlook stuff, you know, because they've run WoW pretty even handedly, in my opinion. Even though I had my personal issues with WoW over its lifespan, often you know, from the start when I did play it to didn't play it, I've had some issues with Blizzard because my original Blizzard account that dates back to like Diablo One got done in because blizzard's a bunch of assholes you know so i have kind of a love-hate relationship with them but even in that when they basically were telling me go fuck yourself your account's dead and gone have a nice day you know they did it in such a they did it in a classy enough way that it was really difficult to get too upset right you know and so i just think blizzard has this capacity for being able to read their audience and give them what they need to accordingly accordingly and still make an obscene amount of money out of it you know mm-hmm. because a lot of times the talking heads who who are constantly harping on um and make no mistake just because i call them talking heads doesn't mean there's some i like and some i don't like if <laughs> that applies to a lot of things that are talking heads hell that's what i am for the most part but that you know are are Waggling, wagging their finger at Blizzard for having daring to have microtransactions because you know they think they're going to turn the tide. Um, and fair enough, maybe they will someday. I'm not seeing it myself personally, but I don't, I don't see any reason to stop. You know, stop trying. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, they're loving the game and playing it like universally. You know, but it's definitely a group game. I think yeah. Blizzard's shooting for. T- I, I don't. I, I while it plays and. While it plays a lot and the map sizes a lot are like Team Fortress 2, I think the aesthetic's definitely not. I don't think they're shooting for for taking over for Valve. I think they're trying to take down Counter-Strike. I genuinely do. And that... I Blizzard's one company I'd give fair odds to do it. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to get, as much as it has zero appeal to me, you're going to have to get the esports um, a- angle. You know, I mean, part of my ignorance... So is Counter Strike really big? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a uh, there's a going to be. It's already televised a little bit on ESPN, and then one of the Turner, you know, Ted Turner, yeah. uh, cable channels is going to be televising a 1.5 million dollar tournament, winner takes all. In Counter Strike. In Counter Strike. Oh wow. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you want to you know, and this this applies to the audience too at home. You want to gauge how a game's doing? Just go search for it on YouTube. Yeah. If there's a shit ton of videos, everybody's doing it, you know, monkey see, monkey do type stuff, then you know it's got a big audience. So yeah. are we So are we talking Counter-Strike Go or Counter-Strike mm-hmm. 
the source or Counter Strike Go anymore. I I don't know if there are tournaments or e- or esports stuff that's held in Source or one point. Well, I know it's not one point six because that's fucking ancient. <laughs> that's what I cut my teeth on, and even before that, I'm really making myself age myself doing saying that. But um, you know, because back in the day, and that's kind of what I use it now. Like if you're gonna you know if you're gonna sit down to play play some multiplayer in Battlefield or COD, that's a time investment. Yeah. I can play a like a what's known as a um I guess it is called casual. I can play a casual round of Counter Strike, you know, not competitive because there's two different types of modes there that most people play online. I mean, they have deathmatch and all that stuff, but nobody plays it. Right. I I did a video a long time ago on YouTube of of uh, I got had a bunch of beer one night and I thought, oh, I'll play some Counter Strike deathmatch, thinking it'd still be like semi decent. Now it was me, like me and three other human beings, and the rest of it was bots, you know. And that was a dramatic drop in like a year and a half because I have I had Counter Strike go or uh, Global Offensive on uh, 360 as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's made the jump to any of the, the the current ones, but it was on. I know it was on 360. I have no clue if it was on PS3. I remember I played Counter Strike Source on uh, it was like a free weekend on on Steam one time. It was pretty good. Well, it it really comes down to your taste. Like AJK hates it. It's too twitchy. And mm. but there's there's so many variances there. I don't give him shit very often because as much as I completely disagree with him about it, not about Overwatch not being basically Team Fortress Two. What it tells me, and this is the part he's going to hate listening to if he ever listens to the shows, I don't think he played enough Team Fortress 2 to know what the fuck he's talking about. But he's a friend, and he's a good friend, so why have that argument? If he doesn't think it feels like Team Fortress 2, then that's the point. You know, everybody's opinion is valid, and his I respect a lot. So, I mean, Shadowrun, once I, you know, went back and watched a couple videos, I was like, yeah, they uh, totally see Shadowrun in this, you know? But it's just, I, I think the other thing he may be missing is it's just map size, the way the classes work, and the way you kind of have about have to have a balanced group of the classes to really have a good match. Right. You know, but that's the thing. What I was, the point I was going to a minute ago was, you know, you kind of have to invest some time to get quite a bit out of Battlefield and um, COD. You know, you're probably going to have to play a couple of matches. And especially with Battlefield, that could be a long time depending on the size of the server, you know, how many people are there, how many tickets, what what game mode you're playing. Counter-Strike, I usually jump into casual and can do it, like, within, like, easily do it before work. You know, I check the website email, do some other stuff, check my own personal email, I'll jump into a match of Counter-Strike, uh, casual, casual mode, and, and then, you know, I'm done, had a little fun, you know, took out a little aggression, and get, you know, off to work I go. You really can't do that as well with Battlefield and, and COD. And that's kind of what the, I think I think Overwatch is shooting for, too. You know, you don't have to be just exactly the same <laughs> to kind of eat into each other's markets. People seem to right. think you need to be a clone. Yeah, you know that. You know, if it has this, if it has the similar time rate, you know, like for you, I could see that with, with your limited time and you're not always 100% sure when you're going to have time to gaming. Game something like Counter Strike or, or Overwatch will probably be beneficial to you. Now, then it comes down to: Do you are you okay with Twitch shooters that you know, like one or two shots, you're dead, mm-hmm. and it, and the weapons are very very uh, hard to aim, you know, or do you want that more arcadey feel? Like, um, well, I shouldn't even really call it arcadey because <laughs> Counter Strike's arcadey too. So is Team Fortress Two. So is Overwatch. 
but you know, do you want that more? Do you want do you want it to be? I guess actually, Counter Strike would be more arcadey, more just run and gun shooter, or do you want the more military simulator with objectives and all that crap like uh, Battlefield? I mean, right. you do have objectives in Counter Strike, but it's the maps are tiny and it's pretty simplistic. You know, that's what always drove me bonkers about the small maps in Call of Duty. It's like, dude, why are you trying to bite on, um, you know, why are you trying to bite on Team Fortress 2 and, and Counter-Strike? The the weapons you have and the setup, it's just too easy to freaking end up getting goddamn spawn camp to death. Right. You know, mm. whereas even when you're kind of boned in, in, in uh, Counter-Strike, you, you have some wiggle room. When you start to get spawn camps in some of them smaller COD maps, you're fucked. It's rage quit time, you know, or it's just sit there and lump it until the next round. And then people wonder why people, you know, then the other team does it to the team that was doing it to them two rounds ago. Right. You know, and it just becomes a whole thing. But E3 for me, here's my problem with E3 right now. Oh, actually, no. Before I talk about my E3 thing, I do. It's, it's the second to last show. Might as well do it. Did you see the news about the Kitty Dragons? No. It's supposedly coming out this year. Ooh, really? No, no release date said, but it's supposed. <laughs> yeah. One of the dudes from Team Ico is talking about how it's gonna come out this year, and it's just like, oh, for the love Super of Super really this time. Yeah, I just, I bet, I bet they trot something out at E3, and that's where Kitty Dragons, or also known as Last Guardian, is where uh, I kind of started falling off with believing fuck all that's said at E3. It became all about how many rubes can you sucker, you know? Like, Sony has mastered the art of sleight of hand. Like, their PS4 presentation, oh, we're not going to fuck you over like Microsoft. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Oh, by the way, over here, don't don't look over here. Look here. Look, you know, it's like Penn and Teller. You look over here. <laughs> over here, yeah, you're going to have to have PSN now to play games. You know, and then it's just it's like, if they hadn't done that the way they did it, gamers would have been pissed. And they wouldn't have been in the exact same boat as deal with it, Microsoft, but they'd have been close. Yeah. Because that was the one rallying cry of the, all the Sony Defense Force was the fact that oh, PSN's cheaper because you don't have to you don't have to have it to play multiplayer games. Fuck Microsoft. Well, you weren't buying an Xbox anyway, or you were gonna buy one and then hide it when your little butt buddies come over, <laughs> you know. And it's like, mm -hmm. so what the fuck do you care? I said that on Twitter today. It's like, can't we just enjoy the games we enjoy and not worry about what the fuck else everybody else is doing? Can't that become a thing for at least five minutes anyway? <laughs> just enjoy it. You know, because as much as they continue to piss me off and they just... If we continue doing the show, Destructoid would go the way of Kotaku in that I'd have to have two other verifiable sources before I'd believe anything they say. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a shame given given my kind of history with them. Uh, but they gave they dared to give Overwatch 8 out of 10. You know what that's turned into? You remember when we when you were first doing the show and we were bashing on reviewers for having a 7 out of 10 scale? Yeah. Basically IGN, mm -hmm. who still does it. What's funny about that is gamers always used that as an insult back two, three years ago. Now, have you noticed the trend that the worm has turned? And now, if any game is eight out eight or lower, the reviewer hated it, <laughs> and they should be stricken from Metacritic because Destructoid yeah. dared to give Overwatch an eight out of ten, and people fucking went man baby about it. Yeah, yeah. God forbid you have an opinion, right? Yeah, I mean that's essentially what it comes down to: with us or against us. 
You know, and I, I honestly hope for you that they do. Well, I don't know. It could cause a war war in your household if there's stuff for Rock Band on Xbox One and Kitty Dragons on PS4. You know. Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> it throws a little monkey wrench into my, into into my plan to get through the back catalog this year with all the all the financial woes of, the, of our province, but and save save some cash and play what I got. But you know. It'll be what it'll be. You, you, you know how that goes. I um, yeah. I deal with that with some people all with, at times who want every moment planned. I want to know what I'm doing at 8 o'clock in the morning, at 8.10, at 8.15, and I'm just like, really? Mm-hmm. I just can't wrap my head around that. But you know damn good and well, yeah, okay, you had this plan, but you're the kind of dude, John, I know you well enough to know that you know that there's potential you may have to replan in a month and a half. <laughs> you know, yeah. there could be DLC for Rock Band. That's right. Yeah, I'm I'm not against planning for things, mm. but when you cling to that, when you cling to that plan like a uh, like like a dude on a life raft in the middle of shark infested waters, maybe that's not the best analogy, but because you would want to cling to a life raft at that point, even though sharks can eat rubber, uh, <laughs> you mm. know, that's where you get doomed. And I hate getting put in that, you know, painted in that corner. But mm. you see a lot of gamers do it, and Honestly, if I was to if I was to advise anybody, you and and one included, I I'd be more concerned about making sure that it, especially if you're paying higher taxes, you have more bills, that you're getting the one that's going to be the most cost effective for you. And it's like I said, I think I finally got it through to AJK that the reason I'm still in a holding pattern uh, beyond just having finished building build, building a PC is the fact that I want to see what Sony's going to do. I'm not getting fucked in this deal, you know. Like, he's had a PS4 long enough that it's not going to make a hill of shit a difference. You know, he's probably got sort of close to his value, and God knows, you know. But at the same time, it will mean that he, um, you know, it won't be much of a stretch to be able to go buy, you know, the the next PS4. Mm-hmm. Well, did you see the rumor, the, the rumor circulating around about what the Xbox One upgrade may have attached to it? No. What is it? Oculus, Facebookulus Drift. What? What happened? What happened to this? What, what, not smart glass. What, the, what was it called? Uh, their a. You mean their uh, their augmented reality? Yeah. What was that called again? Uh, I'll look it up here in a second. Oh, that's yeah. not going away. See, Microsoft is is not stupid. As I harp on and harp on and harp on, the PS4 and the Xbox One are x86 architecture. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it didn't take much code wiggling to be able to make the Facebookulus Rift work on it. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it's it it was a probably a a possible process and a much easier process than it would have been on a 360 and on a PS3, which was PowerPC architecture. I think it was PowerPC. It was one of those. It was one of those archaic ones that should go away, like Java and Flash. Um, mm. You know, but no, what I think they're doing is think. Okay, no, let me back up. I actually think this is a brilliant move. And stop and think about why I would think this is a brilliant move to give people the opportunity to be able to use Rift on an Xbox One, even though they are developing something of themselves. Why Why would you think I think that's a brilliant move? Keeping options open and 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 keeping the keeping the, their name in the conversation with the other with the other companies. That's or a really that... that's a really good guess, and it, it it is a very valid point that we get into in here in a second. But no, it gives them. It takes the pressure off. It gives them more time to develop Hololens. They just sent out the dev kits. True. And Microsoft is is their whole 
spiel has been from Aaron Greenberg and his Dorito or his uh, Mountain Dew flavored Doritos to Phil Spencer. <laughs> what Mountain Dew flavored Doritos. Mm. Ew. <laughs> Spicy. Anyway, that, made go ahead. My, that made my face, my face all screw up just thinking about what those taste like. <laughs> I have a can of Mountain Dew. I'm like a five-year-old on sugar. It's just, it, it doesn't end well for anybody. And then I just feel like, end up feeling like shit an hour later. Um, don't get old, people. That's all I can tell you. But anyways, or older. <laughs> I should really stop saying old. I wonder how many... I'd really like to know if I've actually confused anybody with that. Um, but I, I genuinely think, not only is it another option, of course you're going to have to buy one yourself. It's not, you know, it'll just be Rift compatible. Or maybe they'll sell some kids. You know, as much as as much as I think Zuckerberg's as big a snake or bigger a snake as young Bill Gates and young uh, Steve Jobs... He's not stupid. I've never said he's stupid, <laughs> you know. And he's he's learning full well that you got to keep the uh, the market and investors happy. Hate Wall Street all you want. They've taken companies away from other people, you know. And the one thing that makes Zuckerberg, is, in, in my estimation, you know, the the Mark Zuckerberg of legend is the fact that he is he it rides herd on Facebook, mm-hmm. much the same way Jobs did at Apple especially after he came back. You were not getting him out of there. Well, death is really all that got him out of there. You know, he learned his lesson from when that, well, he got thrown out for the same reason the first time. Company was doing crap and the shareholders threw him overboard, you know? Yeah. And maybe, maybe if, maybe if CEOs and, and Wall Street like dressed as pirates and screamed R a lot, people would find them less evil. Not that's too that's a two ended joke because I mean most people like pirates and really I mean hostile takeover that's kind of what it is and they did it to Jobs and Apple and I don't know whether it ever enters Zuckerberg's mind but it is something Facebook has to be very careful about their shares drop too much and the fucking the market's going to own them you know gone will be Zuckerberg gone will be all his little henchmen and in will be you know puppet CEO number five thousand and one and if he doesn't work five thousand and two is already being built you know I mean. Like or hate capitalism, I'm all for whatever you want to believe, but that's just, that's the reality of the game, you know? Yeah. And so I, I see this as a as a win-win. And I, I genuinely think that, that HoloLens is going to be different. It's just Microsoft's going to have to sell, have to be really, really good at selling that difference. You know, the dev, dev kits were a lot more expect, expensive than Oculus. Um, they have gone out. But Microsoft has has greater plans for it, you know, and I think they should because you have the early converts already pretty much sewed up with, you know, HTC's Vive and 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 Rift. You know, they shipped a lot of units those first couple weeks to the point where <laughs> Facebookulus was having a hell of a time getting people their pre-order sets. Oh yeah, that was and, that was a, that was a bit of a deal, wasn't it? Yeah, there were more than a few angry people, and for once on the internet, people who were righteous, righteously and rightfully angry. You know, they actually had a legit reason to be pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, Microsoft is hell bent, and that's the thing. As long as you it, you never fail if you keep trying, and I guess ultimately you could. But if you look at the lineage of what Microsoft's trying to do, they, they started it with Connect 1.0, and then they did a little more with Connect 2.0. And while I don't think HoloLens is just going to be Connect 3.0 FAP helmet, I think they learned a lot from Connect 1.0 and 2.0, even if gamers hated it or whatever, that is going to make HoloLens a success. And it's it's going to be multifaceted. 
you know, and again, it's augmented reality, which is different than VR. But if you believe the people in the VR is is God camps, uh, augmented reality doesn't even exist yet. Microsoft's full of shit. But that's because they're afraid that, you know, it's kind of like the uh, Sony's 3D TV, which was surpassed in a real quick hurry by the super brand new expensive 4K TVs. <laughs> and I think some of the VR people are concerned enough about Microsoft that that could happen, that VR could be here today and replaced in under a couple of years before anybody recoups their investment with a with augmented reality. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I could foresee a space where they coexist because I think they do different things. Right. You know. Oh, I guarantee you there'll probably be a lot of VR, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Microsoft's going to have to come up with a new demo because that, I mean, that Minecraft demo still gets talked about. Well, Hololens. HoloLens and oh, you, yeah. you uh, you got to have... That was a lot of buzz on that on that on that like simple shot of that. Well, and it was impressive. I mean, it was well done. And y- you know, that's the problem is is for ye- for years, you know, everybody wanted to know what was behind the curtain, a la Wizard of Oz. And now that they know to a certain extent what's behind the curtain, you know, in engine footage versus actual gameplay. Oh, this was, you know, rendered versus actually using it. Now that they kind of have broke kayfabe on that, nobody's satisfied with it. And they accuse them of being lazy and, oh, it's a broken piece of shit because they had, you know, it's the same old broken damn story. But I think if Microsoft can show off another just spectacular demo at E3 this year of that, that's, I think, probably more how I'll take E3. There's little bits and pieces I'm curious if they can follow up on what they did the prior year and show us that these things are still, you know. Real. real. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, because that's the other thing too. You got to think about the the average the patience of an average gamer. Microsoft is not going to be given a lot of wiggle room to develop Hololens before people are calling it, you know, the next Duke Nukem Forever or the next <laughs> Last Guardian. Yeah. You know, and so uh, that's it's going to come down to that they have to keep it fresh in people's minds because they have no attention span and no patience. So outside of Kitty Dragons, are there? Have you heard any rumblings of games you may want to check out during E3 since we're talking about it? And it also mm. leads into something I was... Well, I mean, I mean, to be honest, um, I mean, nothing jumps to mind right, you know, right away other than other than to see what Zelda's about. But that's that's janky of Nintendo, you know, fanboy uh, talking. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 always inter- interested to see what what's what's on the on the on the cutting edge. But I I, uh, you know, I, I can't really say anything anything. In particular, other than than Zelda, because I know that you know if they were if they were showing the NX, I, that would be one of the things I'd be very interested to see what it's all about. Is it for, for just for sheer curiosity's sake? Um, but it's not it's not going to be there. Yeah, so Nintendo says the Nintendo yes. and their E3 plans. I I know it's been confirmed. All you shouting at your various MP3 players and smartphones. Oh, it's been confirmed. Nintendo said. Nintendo said. Yeah. <laughs> heard that story before you know it mm. could very well be that's what happens they just so zelda and go we're nintendo we're, we're out and you're going to be out of business because you keep thinking that you've you're still in the Wii era <laughs> and you're not um you're struggling mightily in so many ways but i, I it's it's fairly similar to how i look at these these political conventions when it's over and we got two candidates i'll believe it until then nope Again, it doesn't mean I don't. It doesn't mean I think they're lying, but you know, c- 
clever is clever. I mean, that's you know, a lot of times they'll 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 say stuff like that just so that they maybe can build a, a little bit of surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if if all Nintendo shows up with is Zelda, then the, to that's a massive indicator to me that they're in deep deep shit. Yeah, I I, I mean, if if they ha- if they announce they're going to have a Nintendo Direct, um, and you know, as it turns out, that's where they show some NX stuff rather than. Rather than on the show floor, I mean that that's that's all they're saying at the moment. I think is that that on the show floor, there's a, only going to be Zelda, and uh, so if they're not ready to show in that, you know, in person, that might not necessarily mean maybe they're not willing to show a bit on a video that everybody can see and report on. Well, that's I mean, you know, and you got EAs doing their own thing outside of the actual show. They're in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, I always thought it would have been more amusing if they, you know, like EA was in Boston and uh, Activision's event was in Seattle and E3's down there in L.A. watching the media try and figure out how to send people multiple places and just to send in one area. Um, but that's the other thing, too. I mean, we still have a few weeks to go. Or my my suspicion with Nintendo is is because they think they still have enough clout to be able to do this, and maybe they do. If they do, it's waning rapidly. They'll you know have it on the show floor, and then at some point during E3, when all eyes are trained on it, they'll announce a Nintendo Direct a couple weeks after E3, where mm-hmm. then the spotlight is solely on them. And that's yeah. again, and, and and actually Nintendo and the NX is pretty much why I could care less about E3 anymore. Think back to last year. Last year. <clears throat> nerdgasms over Shenmue 3 and uh, Final Fantasy 7. And then the reality sets in, that Square is fucking around with Final Fantasy 7. It could be episodic, it could be done this way, it could have combat from a game nobody likes. Shenmue 3, well, I got 5 million, maybe I'm going to make Shenmue 2.7. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. People fall for the hype train, and then they don't see, you know, they, then they don't see what's behind the curtain. Yeah. Because it's their, oh, I love that franchise. I can't say anything bad about it. You know, and I, I've, got, I've got to rush off to bash Microsoft and EA <laughs> and Ubisoft, you know. And and we've seen that with so many games. And I, I started to talk about it earlier, and then we, I flipped into a tangent that Last Guardian was kind of the start of it. It's like they announce these games, they show a tech demo, which if you understand gaming in the gaming industry even a tiny bit tells you kind of where it's at development wise and then you know they it, it, that's all we heard about it and so many of these games are not getting any further progression and so you're going back to um you know you're 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 now at the point where it's all hype and nothing of substance comes out of it i mean what we saw at E3 last year i think there was only maybe four or five games that even came out to this point from mm-hmm. E3 last year to now, you know. That would be an interesting post to see what was shown last year actually came out. Well, I mean, No Man's Sky finally got a uh, a release date, <clears throat> you know, yeah. for PS4 almost a year to the day later for 60 yeah. bucks. Yeah, no. It, that's a, that's the other thing, too, you know, that, that I think is kind of driving me to be or drove, you know, kind of drove the bus on the decision to, to, to end WonderPod was, I said something that there's no fucking way in hell I'd pay 60 bucks for that game. Now, that is a big difference between the statement, I'm not paying 60 bucks for that fucking game, and it's not worth 60 bucks. You know, but people instantly translate. I had somebody yell at me on Twitter when I said it 
months back that 60 bucks nope oh dude you know it's an indie darling so oh dude get off indies don't be a triple a dick you know oh how come indies can't charge 60 bucks i said i didn't say they could couldn't i just said i'm not paying 60 bucks for that it's not 60 you know they've promised they yeah. kind of star citizen did um hello to the one person who's listening to the show and is gonna get really mad because he's in the tank big time for star citizen and no it's nobody that that, that i've ever mentioned before but you know they promised so much with no man's sky and never shown a tenth of what they've promised at least bits and pieces of in in demos and and trailers you're asking me for too much of a gamble for 60 bucks you know that's what it comes down to risk versus reward like we've talked about a thousand times and it seems to be a foreign concept to the rest of humanity apparently (laughs) except (laughs) that evil wall street they they understand it (laughs) and and us Uh, um not sure what that says about us but um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it says we're good dudes because neither of us work on wall street for one thing for two risk versus reward is not a real fucking difficult concept i think i probably learned it at like six the first time i fell down and cut myself i don't know about you john (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah reaching for something i shouldn't or doing something my parents told me not to and i got hurt in the process that's risk versus reward right there in a nutshell (laughs) or getting in trouble with mom and dad you know yeah yeah you got it and and so i just but it's just finally gotten a release date the metal dino it's only gonna be on ps4 so i lost interest after that although they were nerdgasming over it i it hasn't gotten a release date yet and it's an exclusive so hmm, if i've got a ps4 you know it's on the list if i get a ps4 then i'll get it you know and that's the other thing there's now finally enough of a catalog especially since agent k is already built in uh, dude to play games with and he's got lots of friends on and of course Chris Chris has got a PS4 um, there's enough games now that, that making the investment in a PS4 means I'll turn it on more than once a month mm-hmm. you, you know and, and, and that's fine I, I'm, I'm not against having a diversion away from PC games you know I, I, I still think be, because of the time and money I invested in building a new PC I'll probably play a lot of the bigger titles on like Battlefield 1 and stuff like that but Bottom line, you know, use the Shenmue example if you want. Use the Final Fantasy example if you want. Use Last Guardian. Use No Man's Sky. Just so much of this, you know, they overhyped it to the moon. And then the, you know, Reddits and Twitters and Facebooks and Google Pluses and all YouTubes just ran it that much higher. And it turns out either we haven't heard anything a year later or it was a complete piece of crap, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. That I just, why should I care? It's just so much better to wait and see what happens. Um, all natural, natural. You know, I, I will have to tell you, though, something that, that I have learned as, as we wind this down. Agent K and I were talking about No Man's Sky. And I said, you know, they haven't shown me enough to make it worth a AAA price to me. Right? That's mm-hmm. a standard thing I've used on this show, too. And with a simple sentence, he taught me that I kind of need to stop using that phrase because he, his response was, and he wasn't doing it like defending no man's sky. He gets where I'm coming from. And like, if he has it on a platform that I can play it on so we can play together, I'll probably cave that we're all hypocrites. Most of the time. (laughs) I mean, come on, let's, let's just be, you know, Pat and I've had discussions about that whole hypocrite thing. It's, it's not so much that people are hypocrites. Everybody does it. It's just, come on, man, just be on it. Just be upfront about it, that you're going to do it. You know, that, you understand that you're self-aware enough to understand that you're going to do it at some point. Yeah. 
And I do it all the time because he's a fun dude to play with. And so Stuart, so some of his other friends, you know. And, and and so it's it it's a worthy cave, but at the same time, I'm not rushing out day one if I don't have a built-in group of people to play it with. And and a game like No Man's Sky and and Overwatch are definitely things I'm not playing. I'm not playing by myself. Yeah, you know, if over if if No Man's Sky gets good reviews from reviewers I trust, and it looks like I can get a lot out of it playing it by myself, yeah, then I'm at cave for that aspect. But uh, or if and when it ever comes out on PC, I never have quite figured out what the hell whole release thing is with that. Supposedly it's PS4 exclusive, but I'm not sure I buy that. On the breath. Yeah, not. I mean, how many PS4 gamers are you really, or how much money you're really going to make on PS4 gamers only at sixty bucks when it's you know not a proven concept game? It's not mm -hmm. Uncharted Four, and that's not a shot at Uncharted Four. It was a great, appeared to be a great game, um, but I just and so eh, E3 I. I I think even if we had continued to do the show, I could see next year just it being part of an episode, but us talking about other things, random things as well. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. You know, it's it, and don't you think that's kind of the natural progression for something like that? Like, it's not a con where it's 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 a gathering place for fans. It's an industry show, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And some of those do kind of have a life cycle. And it's just kind of, even though in the past we've talked about, oh, E3's done, oh, this, that, you know, like when Nintendo left to go do Nintendo Treehouse or whatever the hell they were doing, until they fired all the people that worked for it for very wrong reasons, you fucking assholes. Um, <laughs> that, you know, but it, this does, you know, with EA kind of moving off, Nintendo sticking to their own stuff, Activision sticking to their own stuff, this does, am I wrong in thinking this does finally feel like maybe the natural decline of E3's importance and what, you know, what E3 once was. Yeah, it's definitely on the waning side. I mean, there's so many more people who are not, not bringing their stuff to the show. It's, uh, and they're, and then E3 is also inviting more and more of, you know, Joe Blow six pack in to, to, to take part, um, you know, getting to get rounds of applause at press events, uh, as much as possible, I suppose. So it's, it's definitely losing importance. And it's certainly, you know, I mean, it's fun as a fan to be able to go to these things, perhaps, but it's it kind of takes away from the I don't know I don't know if the word is legitimacy or not, but it's uh, it's it's definitely takes the shine off. So I'm I, I'm pretty sure that with the fact that my hair started growing gray when I was like 22, do the math. I'm not white headed, but I don't have a lot of color left, and I'm I'm anti vein. I'm not dying it. And you know, and the fact that I'm the upper echelon, upper echelon of OG gamers, that I'd probably be arrested at any con or <laughs> gaming conference as a pedophile. Um, day one, <laughs> what are you doing here, old man? The nursing homes across the street. Um, <laughs> but if if given my choice between, hey, dude, I got a spare pass to E3, uh, or hey, dude, I got a spare three day pass to one of the Paxes, I'd rather go to one of the Paxes. You're going to get to see a lot of the same games and there's so much more to do. You know, I, I think, I honestly think not so much just Penny Arcade, but I mean, Rooster Teeth does RTX, their own thing. And you got San Diego Comic-Con, which tries to accommodate every last, you know, net, even remotely net centric medium or, or movies. I, I, I think game companies are seeing the wisdom in taking their games to more and more of these game-centric conventions you know there's still the hardcore comic and comic book and tabletop gaming conventions that 
you know, EA and Gearbox and all those guys probably aren't going to show up to. But when E3 was in its prime, when we were doing, like, I think we were doing this show before the first Penny Arcade Expo, you know? I think so. And in that time, San Diego Comic-Con um, has exploded. In that time, you have now three PAXs in the U.S. and one in Australia, you know? You have Rooster Teeth Expo. Um, there we go. I'll see what, what year the first one was. Uh, oh, no, no. It was before we did the show. The first the first PAX was 2004, and we did not start the show until 2010. So PAX was around, but PAX East wasn't until 2010. Um, PAX South wasn't until this year. RTX wasn't until 2010-ish, I don't want to say... I really don't see San Diego Comic-Con as becoming the all-consuming monster that it is now. and I don't really remember it being that way until about 2009. Mm -hmm. And don't you think that probably eats into some of E3's relevance, that these other shows can show it to gamers? You know, it's not appointment only and this, that, and the other thing, and they can take it out when it's more polished and get the get the real hype that they want. Yeah, I would have that. Yeah, have you ever heard, you, you're a sports fan, and, and uh, well, obviously wrestling is a little different with the way announcers work in that, but um, you've, have you ever heard the phrase, no cheering in the press box? Yes. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me. That's why, I don't know if I ever said this, and that's why I'm doing it now, since we, we only got one more show after this, is that, and I'm not actually saying that that many this many times on purpose it's just naturally flowing out people sorry uh be happy we didn't start this shit at 290 i would have been angry with myself by about 295 if we had but um it's because i'm so used to mediums where the media at least attempts to be impartial you know and so that's why i always ribbed game media more because they were hellbent and still are in some senses to be taken seriously as journalists. And it's like, if you if you had a bunch of auto racing media or a bunch of baseball media or a bunch of hockey media sitting in those same seats, they'd just be sitting there going, show me the stuff. And when do we get to ask questions? You know? Mm -hmm. Now I don't see I don't see sports media as being journalists either for the most part. I don't see any media as being journalistic in any way, shape, or form anymore. It's how bad can we doom and gloom and panic people into this, that, and the other thing today more than journalism. But it is interesting to know that's why I always got, you know, irritated with with all the cheering and, and people trying to defend it. And it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Either, yeah. either you're press and you're there to give it, you know, glare with a critical eye or you're fans, you know. And the PS4 one was just the most ridiculous to me. Obviously, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But the, what, what made me think about it and making sure I mentioned it, John, is it's the 100th uh, Indianapolis 500 this weekend. Okay. And they were replaying finishes of a bunch of them and there was a couple times and there's been a couple in the redneck uh hear the air quotes in my voice only sport of nascar i say that because it is and then again it isn't if you're actually willing to pay attention um where announcers got really involved and emotional because the person winning or the person vying for the win was either related to them you know like father and son or they were good friends with and while I do believe in no cheering in the press box, watching that did remind me that sometimes letting natural emotion go isn't a bad thing. 
And I was kind of kicking myself because of nothing else. If I had learned nothing else from Jim Ross, maybe I should have learned that. <laughs> you, you know? Because, yeah, he stuck to what was being given to him in his IFB a lot of times. But if he hadn't, if he had just gone into the Hell in a Cell match with knowing everything they were going to do, it wouldn't be the iconic match it is today. You know? Mm -hmm. Because that's real emotion. You know? Yeah. Al Michaels with the Miracle on Ice, real emotion. You know? Um,. Give me one from Canada. What's one? What's a, yeah? Do that because I don't even know if I know one. What's one iconic Canadian sports moment that was called on Canadian television that has that kind of icon status, the same as Miracle on Ice or something to that? Oh, I'm uh, when Canada beat the Russians in the in the in the in the in the in the big gold medal game. Uh... What year was that? I remember watching it. Even the American and were going bonkers. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Roger is wondering how the heck I even, I even know that much. Because uh, it used to be, it was there was a commercial that played it all the time. That was uh, after the miracle, but still when they were the evil Ruskies, though, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. The old Henderson has scored for Canada. It was like the, it was like it was seventy two. I listened to Google search the seventy two Summit Series. Oh, the sum. Yeah, because um, yeah, there's a pretty good documentary on that. Kind of tied in with the documentary about the Russian team from the Miracle. There's a couple good. Roger, if you're, I know you're listening. There's a there's a few good documentaries on Netflix on. Um, I think the, I haven't seen the Canadian one when I've been cruising through Netflix, but I haven't looked that close at the sports section. But the there's one on the Russian team and everything they went through after losing to the upstart college kids from America. Uh, I, I'm sorry if I think of it, I'll tweet out and put it in the show post what the name of it is. I'll look on my Netflix account. Um, but it was fascinating because some of those guys were the beginning of the Russian Revolution in the NHL when they started defecting. They were 17 and 18-year-olds that when they got into their mid-20s and realized that the communist system was rapidly falling apart that it was time to go mm -hmm. you know um and so konstantinov was one of them for sure but the uh but yeah i while i've while i've always made fun of gaming media there are times where raw emotion is not necessarily a bad thing but i thought that might be a good bit to bring up the other thing i wanted to ask you that skews away from gaming but we've done it a billion times before when it's just you and i I saw a lot of people losing their minds over this brand split <laughs> that they've done again. What is John Kehoe's thoughts on uh, Raw and SmackDown being split into two separate everythings? Well, um, there's two takes on it. The, 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 the more positive take is that it allows their, you know, they, I mean, at this point they have quite a, uh, what a varied, uh, uh, roster a lot, of, a lot of guys and gals who are really good wrestlers and and can put on great shows and and just don't get the tv time uh and and putting them you know splitting them up on two shows keeping things separate uh you know gives them that opportunity and also allows you know if if one show or the other can change how it looks and feels uh to be really different because i mean right now smackdown looks and sounds just like raw except that it's you know has a shade of blue and has white ropes. That's about the only difference. Um, and it has and and it also has not as not not as good storylines. Like you kind of like the follow up stuff. Like this thing happened on Raw, or there'll be a rematch on SmackDown kind of stuff. Um, if they can take that and, and and make it a focused show and 
with with, with and make it you know more exciting. We're, it's going live as well on Tuesdays, so you know live television tends to be a little better. They, they won't have that canned crowd noise that they tend to have on there. Um, so I, mean, I, think, I think there's some really good opportunity to, opportunity to make some good TV and keep things interesting. Um, I'd be interested to see how they how they handle like like champions like who gets to be on what show or who who attends both shows or whatever it's going to be you know these are things that they'll have to sort out now on the on the question junk, though yeah on on that take I saw a blurb God help me am I actually going to quote Metzler on this show I hate that asshole Metzler um, yeah it's old day stuff yeah back when the Wrestling Observer was a tabloid shitbag. Most of his rumors were wrong. Old Dave likes likes the pretty up the past and revisionist history, but there's a lot of us that still remember when the, he got 90% wrong and about, no, not even that good, 95% wrong and about 5% right. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't say I hate the guy, but I don't, I, I just find him a little bit repugnant. Um, because he, he acts like he was the whole IWC and carrying it all on his shoulders. And oh, sure. It before was a, the, before, before there was an I in IWC. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I was there before there was an I in IWC and he is wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, and so fair play. He's made a good living at it as has John Canton. Good for them. You know, both of those guys were around in the old days, uh, when I was first getting into message boards and all that stuff. And so, um, anyways, I saw a blurb and it may have been on his mess or something else where Stone Cold said that, and I don't even know if it was Austin, some former wrestler said that he was not convinced they had the roster depth mm-hmm. to pull this off. Do you, th- does, does that concern you? Well, I mean, it kind of dep- depends what you mean by depth. Um, th- there's plenty of talent on the rosters. There's plenty of guys who can, as I say, who can put on some amazing matches, whether or not everybody is over enough to split them off into two separate places and, and, and keep the momentum going the way that they book things. Everybody's 50-50 wins and losses. And, you know, are there enough stars to carry two separate shows, like made, like made stars? It, it, it's questionable. I, I, I'd, I'd sort of agree with that. Um, but again, they'd have to start making some changes and, and, and deciding, you know, it may force the hand of, well, who are we going to make? And rather than keep playing it safe and 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 letting it coast, um, so I, I think there's some merit to that. Um, but I mean, I, I think there's an there's enough talent there. Whether or not there's enough depth uh, is is a fair question. I um, love the delusional people that seem to think this is somehow going to get make ensure that they will be rid of Roman Reigns now for some reason. I saw oh, that in so many places where. Oh, good. The brand splitting this and that. Now they can get rid of that Reigns guy that we all hate, and now like three quarters of the hate is because it's a fucking bandwagon thing. Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, hating on on Roman Reigns is definitely a bandwagon thing. Yeah, it's gone past. They have no legitimate argument against his talent, against his look. Yeah, he's not great on the mic, but like, there, there, there's there, there's there's still reason to to to, to be negative against the, how he's booked sometimes, but. I mean, you watch the last two matches he had, he's had with AJ Styles, and while it takes two to tango, Roman did very very well. His two probably his two best matches he's ever had, and uh, he's just. I mean, I'm not 
and, and and that's not I'm not saying that he's my my go to number one guy or anything. Right. The, the people who hate on him that much are doing it just because it's trendy to do so because he's, yeah, he's really right. good. He's really actually is good. Well, and here's the thing about I've always said about AJ Styles. I love AJ Styles. Him and Christopher Daniels are two of my favorite, mostly indie guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Sorry, beard. You're welcome, Pat. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Bryan is like number four, number five, and that in that group that was an ROH, old ROH and in New Japan Pro and and that kind of stuff back in the day. I've even got Loki above Bryan. That's just because yeah. I love Loki's chops. I'm sure they hurt like a motherfucker, but man, could he chop a guy? Um, man, Loki, although stiff as fuck, was a pretty good wrestler too. I don't even know if he's still wrestling. That's why I said was. But anyway. One thing I know about Styles is Brian and Loki, uh, uh, Brian Daniels, Chris, excuse me, Christopher Daniels, Christopher Daniels and Loki, and Daniel Bryan to a certain extent could carry somebody with lesser talent and make it look pretty effortless. I've seen AJ struggle with that. So it, what you're telling me just by saying that without me having seen a match is AJ needs, in my opinion, don't fucking kill me, AJ Styles fan. I forgot we wandered into wrestling, which might possibly be worse <laughs> than gaming. AJ Styles has to have a certain level of talent for him to really put out the effort for like a, you know, a three and four star TV match. And I suspect that, you know, just you telling me that, that he's had two really good matches with AJ, mm-hmm. which AJ is a big part of the equation. Roman doesn't oh. have to do a ton. But... Well, it, 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 it takes two to tango. And it, Why? It, it, yeah, I mean, and this, before I let you continue, one of the best things I've heard someone say about AJ in these last couple of matches is that he is? He's working on, uh, you know, he's he's showing similarities to old Shawn Michaels, yep. where Michael Michaels would would do everything he could to sell his ass off to make the other guy look great, but like the other guy still has to make himself look great for that to happen. Like it has it has to work both ways. So AJ's working real hard. I mean, AJ did well with Jericho, but mm-hmm. he did he did but he came off like and any he also you know lost the big payoff match anyway, but. He didn't come off as well as he did here against Roman. Like right now, I think AJ is 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 a main eventer for as far as how well he came off on these couple of matches. Now, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. Well, you're absolutely right, though. And I'm glad you brought that up because I've always seen Shawn Michaels and AJ Styles, and I remember back in his ROH days, people telling me I was insane for saying that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you go back and watch. With him and Christopher Daniels, low-key, how Daniel Bryan might even been involved. Some of the, you know, Motor City Motor City machine gun guys in those uh, X-Division matches and the tournament matches in early TNA. He so much reminds me of of, of uh, Shawn Michaels. And him, mm-hmm. and, and him and Christopher Daniels when he was the Fallen Angels, uh, when he was the Fallen Angel character, even though I did like Curry, man. Fuck you if you don't like Curry Man. He's like doink. Come on, you gotta love Curry Man. I love Curry Man. <laughs> anyway, you gotta give Daniels credit though. He does not seem like he could pull off a goofy character like that. Like the first time I saw Curry Man and then looked up at the fact that it was Christopher Daniels, given how it's so 180 out from the Fallen Angel and it's so 180 out from his normal wrestling style. Like I could see Mick doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? When Mick's in one of his more goofy runs, uh, then I could Christopher Daniels. But at the same time, some of my favorite matches are Christopher Daniels versus AJ Styles. Yeah. You know, and they were both pretty young guys at that time. Daniels, or excuse me, Styles definitely. You know, but I always saw a little bit of Shawn Michaels in um, in, in in Styles. So you're you're not the only one that thinks that. But 
that's the thing, though. I mean, Styles Reigns has to be so cerebral to some extent because Styles is is not like Greco Roman Kurt Angle technical, but professional no, wrestling no. technical. He is top notch, and if you're not able to keep up with him and what he's trying to explain to you to work out to have a great match, you know, you're, it's gonna it's gonna be you know a Kevin Nash match. Razor Ramon match, mm-hmm. Scott Hall. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I, I like, I always try and think with guys like that. How would they do with guys we know don't have the best work rate in the world? Like, I like the Big Show as a dude, as over time, but you know, he's a big guy. I could see AJ Styles having a great match with him. Oh yes, you know, and and so that's when you start looking at it from that perspective. It, but the, the, this Roman Reigns thing has gone John Cena. And, 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 and it just, it's like, I just, I can't decide whether to feel sorry or yell at these people that are truly appear to believe that this may be their out to get rid of Roman Reigns. Vince loves the dude. Mm. He, he's not going anywhere. You know? Yeah. You can holler for CM Punk and Daniel Bryan all you want. Ain't neither of them coming back. Mm-hmm. Well. I mean, but, I mean, watching Roman matches now, I mean, certainly... He's had he's had a quite the string of, of very good main events. I mean, the, the match against Triple H was quite quite simply put, just it was just too damn long. If it was if that was more succinct and shorter, it probably it would have benefited a lot. But he's had he's had lots of really good matches, at, you know, since he's been champ and and several times before. It's just like I, I think if if he can keep up this level of match quality, it's going to get to the point where people just say, well. Yeah, boo. I guess he's still he's pretty good, you know. Like it kind of turned around for John Cena when he when when he was doing that U.S. title thing there last year or the year before, where he was having just great matches every single week against top quality people, and you know now he's now he's on this almost legendary status because he's he's you know working at a level that's no one ever thought he could probably you know, and it's it's good now. We got a little bit off off track here. Well, one thing I wanted to say real quick, you know, I tell I told you, you know, I that was my opinion about Roman Reigns when we talked about him the first time when I brought it up just to annoy people, uh, you know, like almost a year ago. And John Cena and Randy Orton are two reasons why I thought that of Roman Reigns. I saw so much raw talent, but they just had to find a place to go with it that they were totally comfortable with and could make work for them. Now Mm -hmm. Orton, in Orton's case, it was more because he was an immature shithead, but in Cena's case, it just they didn't have the development time. And that does lead me to a question about NXT. I want to ask you after you give your personal opinion on the brand split. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, the, the split. So, you know, the, there are positives uh, for it for sure. The negatives and, and the most negative thing that I, that I, I see immediately uh, is just how much wrestling would be on, is on television uh, at the moment. And not that this, not that, SmackDown splitting up and moving to the other channel, um, you know, dilutes it more. It's just, it's just right now you're, you're talking about a three-hour Raw on Monday followed by a two-hour SmackDown on Tuesday, every week. And then, so if you're watching pay-per-views, you're now watching three hours on Sunday for the pay-per-view, three hours on Monday, or, or no, maybe maybe you're not doing that, but they're hoping that you will uh, watch those three, the three and the two. If you're a hardcore like myself watching NXT on Wednesdays, you can tack on one more hour to that. So it, it's an, it's it's a huge amount of content, and like the one thing right now, which is a weird thing to to 
to uh, appreciate is that right now I, I have the feeling that I, I don't need to watch SmackDown because it's it, it's the, it's so much the B show and the recap show and the and the lesser matches you know things don't really matter too much on SmackDown now now they're going to be I mean for as long as perhaps they they want to keep their interest up on it uh, and pursue it SmackDown will be you know quote unquote must watch type stuff uh, presumably and. Um, yeah, I mean it's a that's a lot of that's a lot of TV time to have in one in one one uh, section of the week. I mean even if even if it was the live show on a Thursday, at, at least you'd have a couple of days in between Raw and SmackDown to take that break. So I don't know. It, uh, the the positive things really have to be positive things to overcome just you know consumer burnout uh, after you know I mean. It, it, they might get a, lot, a, good, a good rating for a while, but I think burnout is a is a real concern uh, if if it was me. Now, my one concern going off of the the idea that the the rosters don't have enough depth. Are you concerned that this will make force them to start rushing people out of NXT before they're ready? Before they're ready for prime time, right? I, I, now, in like on you know May twenty seventh, twenty sixteen. There's enough people on NXT who I I would say are ready to go. You know they could they could, you know, sponge up a lot of talent who are ready or more than ready to to, to be on the main roster, but that also then where does that leave NXT a little bit as well? If if they really do have intentions of it being a a, a somewhat minor um, but nonetheless touring brand for them, <clears throat> because. From you know what 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 I've been hearing recently on the, on the on the on the wrestling podcast and stuff is that, uh, and the news sites is that you know the, NXT has two touring touring groups. One is the, you know the guys who are like the Finn Balors and the and the and the, and the Baileys who are you know top the guys who show up on the NXT TV show who, who and they draw you know pretty good crowds, but when those guys aren't on the shows, uh, they draw nobody. You know like. You know, nobody goes. They want to see Finn Balor. They want to see, you know, Samoa Joe. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to see, you know, dude who barely knows what he's doing yet. Which is kind of where NXT was at one point before, you know, the the, the uh, you know the hot times showed up. So it's it, it's it's hard to say if if they sponge all that all the all that top talent out of there and and you know the the Wednesday night network NXT show is just you know. Some dudes, you know, ex-football players who are trying to make a make a make a go of it. It's it's not going to work. I mean, it's it's the reason why. I mean, it, it sounds like this this split kind of came out of not really out of nowhere, but there has to have been some inkling because why else would they be snapping up XTNA guys like Eric Young and Bobby Roode and and I mean Joe. I wouldn't put Joe in that category right away because he's he's been around now for a, uh, over a year, but. I mean, there's a lot of guys that they're 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 trying to bring in, and um, like, have you heard of this cruiserweight classic they're doing? This this cruiserweight um, tournament over the course of the spring and the summer that they're doing on the network. No, and I, and I, but there's a shit there's a shit ton of of indie guys, like high flying indie guys that are going to be on that thing. I mean, they're going to have like ten, twelve of those guys. I mean, they're going to if they're any good at all, they're going to snap them up and 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 put them on one of, on one of the shows probably. Vince has showed me and. In the last 
let's say, 20 years that his idea of a cruiserweight is somebody who's 6'6 and weighs 300 pounds. So I I have very little <laughs> faith. <laughs> well, in, in, in 1997, his idea of a cruiserweight was Brian Christopher, Jerry Lawler's son. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, but and Scott and Scott Putsky, uh, who was, like you say, about 230 pounds of solid muscle. But, I mean, you know, like if you – but right now, like the cruiserweight thing is being developed by Triple H and Regal and and those guys. So I mean, they're actually bringing in, you know, like some of some of the best guys on the indies right now um, to be in there. So it's you know, it, it seems like they've they've got a real you know some real uh, talent seekers on there that you know know what they're looking for. Right, but you at the same time you understand why I have very little faith in them when they bring up the word cruiserweight, <laughs> given yes. how 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 crappily they booked Ray back in the day, how crappily they booked you know the wrestler that we shall not mention because he lost his mind and killed everybody, uh, mm-hmm. Eddie and Chavo. I mean, you know, um, even uh, oh that one asshole who now runs around talking about how everybody else is dicks and he was never a dick. Conan can't Conan. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Conan was a little big. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to think in terms of cruiserweight that's over six foot four, I, I mean, if LeBron James ever retires from the NBA early enough, that dude's got an athletic body at six foot eight and about 230 <laughs> or 250. <laughs> <laughs> but those, the, the, that type of athlete at that size is a once in a lifetime type deal. Mm-hmm. You know, the the LeBron haters love to rip on me because I, I'm fascinated by the dude. I'm fascinated by him because he's six foot eight, two fifty and can do the things he does. Dudes that are six foot eight, two fifty shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> you know, you gotta even if you don't like some of his decisions in life, including the decision, you gotta at least respect an athletic talent like that. You know, it's the same with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook of OKC. I think he's a nut job. I mm-hmm. think sometimes he just absolutely loses his marbles. But oh my God, that dude has the most athletic guy in the NBA right now. And because LeBron's getting a little bit older. I hate to call anybody that's under the age of 30 a little bit older, but in the terms of the NBA, you know, so it's it's not, I'm I'm bringing up NBA because it's, it's not impossible to have a bigger dude who's super athletic. The WWE has fluked a couple. <laughs> but Vince and Cruiserweight has always just been like oil and water. So if Trips being in charge of it gives me some hope. But you said the other name there, who in the training world, what li- from every time I do- delve into watching videos on YouTube about wrestling since I stopped watching it, uh, you know, every week, William Regal's name comes up over and over and over again. And I guess that dude is just, A, got a hell of an eye for talent, and B, is just a hell of a trainer. And yep. he, he knows how to connect with people. And the WWE would be very, very stupid to ever let him get out of their clutches. You yeah, know? I would agree. I totally agree. But I think Trips knows that. As much as it's fun to even, you know, Triple H was the original Cena. It got to the point with him where <laughs> they were hating on him simply because he was Triple H. And simply because he married the boss's daughter. You know, I got news for some people that dudes who work in companies marry the boss's daughter in other walks of life. It does happen quite a bit. It doesn't mean they're all going to be douchebags who do nothing and just collect mass amounts of money. You know, 
Triple H yeah. finished the match after tearing his quads. I mean, you at least, if nothing else, give him a slight bit of respect for that. He wasn't like Vince, who just kind of rolled under the ring ropes and sat down <laughs> that one time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so, I, I honestly, I don't know. Because I'm on the outside looking in more than I am a voracious watcher of the WWE's product anymore, it feels like they're retreading ground. Because they've done this once before, but I don't think that's a fair. I don't think that's a, in any way, shape, or form a fair assessment this time around. I'll be curious to keep an eye on social media and other things. You and and uh, the the gal from the UK, Jen and uh, John Canton, and and a few others people whose opinions on wrestling or or I get it, Roger. I get you know I get a sense of of how wrestling is going in in general terms. You know, you guys don't get too much into the bandwagon or at all honestly uh the bandwagon attitudes and and but at the same time you also recognize when things are going well and when things are going to crap you know you're not an in the bag wwe fanboys or fangirls either um you know and so i i just at time will tell but it was a big enough thing and we really didn't have a hell of a lot to talk about this week that I wanted to ask you your opinion on it. Because the minute I saw it, I thought, hmm, I wonder what John thinks about that. I was going to ask either on air or off air, one of the two, because yeah. it was it, it, it felt like, it, actually, maybe you can clue me and the audience in on this, too, because I'm sure a lot of our audience doesn't watch everything. Did that feel to you like it just came out of nowhere? Uh, a little a little bit. I mean, they. I'm surprised they didn't do some sort of a storyline or angle that kind of led, led up to it. Uh, since Shane has been back from for the WrestleMania match, there's you know there's been rumors and talk about a brand split, and, and especially when they when Vince put he and Stephanie storyline wise in control of Raw, you know who gets who's going to control what and who's going to try what, you know that kind of stuff. But it, you know I think it was Variety magazine that broke the story today. It, it seems these days WWE loves having you know you know non wrestling. Um, Outlets reporting their reporting their 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 latest news, so uh, you know it, it kind of sprung up on there, and and then they rolled with it, you know, with little pre, uh, you know cheeky videos featuring Stephanie and Shane and these kinds of things. So you know, yes, I am kind of surprised it didn't it didn't build uh, to it, and they they announced a hard date already. You know, it's July, whatever it is, you know, eighteenth or whatever, or something like that. You know, it's in July, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they'll probably build toward it, but I'm surprised it wasn't the end result of some sort of storyline. Well, you know, it felt really rushed and kind of mishandled the last time. Maybe they're going with the idea of, okay, we got a hard date. Now we need to build storylines that will carry, that will branch off into either other storylines or branch off into when these two guys go to this show or this group goes to this show. You know, maybe they're taking it from the approach. Let's just tell the fans when it is, and then build it, build it up so that both shows have momentum when we split them. Mm-hmm. You know, because the hard date thing was a little bit surprising to me. But the le- but the first brand split, and a lot of that had to do with the absolute failure of the WCW invasion. Um, felt very sloppy and rushed. Yeah, and 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 very well, uh, poorly sort of um, manicured, I guess, or or not manicured. What's we're looking for? Curated, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They uh, they kind of let one side slide too far to the you know to the to the to the wayside. Like SmackDown started to slip after a while, and then it came back up when Paul Heyman took it over. And then you know they they start 
you know, just because SmackDown was doing poorly in the ratings, they'd throw Cena over there for a bit. You know, like there was no consistency, and and you know, some of the players on top of both brands didn't really work out. For, weren't weren't the best. I, I, like Bradshaw had a had a pretty long SmackDown champion run, but I don't know if I would call Bradshaw's run the most successful. I I didn't really care much for, to to tune in to see see him get his ass beat, you know, all that much. Um, but that was you know. That was then. This is now, and, and hopefully they're hopefully they're a little smarter. But I don't know, having done it once already. But you know, it is it is WWE. Well, I and I think I think it was just time for me to move on from being a constant viewer uh, to more of an outside observer slash voyeur, I suppose. But I left watching the the, the television portions fairly soon, not long after the. Um, the split and what it, you were right about the slide. It felt like that the world heavyweight title or the 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 WWE title. I think even though they called it something else, that was on Raw was still had a lot of luster and it still was a belt guys were going for, and the world heavyweight title, which was the old WCW, WCW title, it felt like it fell off the, a fucking cliff immediately. You know, yeah. And I think The Rock had it there for a bit and it kind of picked it back up, but then they just. It once Rocky went off to make a movie, or or you know they moved it to a new guy, it just felt like it fell off a cliff again. Um, I think that yeah. would it would be one area where they really really need to pay attention and try and, and you know figure out ways to maintain both. <clears throat> if you're going to have two heavyweight straps or two world champion straps, maybe or, have, or even I mean, even having one guy you know go back and forth between shows like. Does he does he feud with two people? Does he, you know, or how how does that work? It's something to have to figure out. Yeah, sure. you know, I I often wondered, and I thought about that with the first aspect, um, or the first brand split was why couldn't you guys have people who were just floaters? Who okay, say you send so and so over to SmackDown for six months to do a storyline, you know, maybe it's a veteran guy who who's going to put over a younger champion, and then when you run out of creative for him over on SmackDown, he just magically appears on Raw. I mean, if, while on one hand, the Smarks get really fucking old and usually Meltzer it and get it wrong <laughs> more often than they get it right, they're, at the same time, don't treat your fans like they're complete fucking idiots because they're not. This, mm -hmm. isn't, this isn't rock and wrestling anymore, you know? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's sports entertainment. And I think you could develop a pool of, of guys, and I, I would say it would probably be better if it was veterans who who are interested in putting giving guys you know the rub um, right. that can float back and forth from show to show. I right. I kind of wondered if maybe maybe you have two heavyweight titles, but then say maybe you only have tag titles on SmackDown and you only have mm -hmm. the U.S. Championship on Raw. You know, because they tried doing the undertitles too on on both shows the last time, and it just became a clusterfuck. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm not I, I wouldn't say it's too bad to ha too, like, too much to have the IC title on one show and the US title on the other, but they had two sets of tag team titles, you know, and yeah. and, and you know, I think they could have the tag team champions. If we're talking about a champion on both shows, I would say that the tag champs and the world champs could could be on both shows, depending on if they bring in more women to to be in the division, they could have the women's champion be on both shows. Or they could have like cruiserweights on one, assuming you know, and back, assuming cruiserweights kind of take, take off again uh, on one show and the women on the other. So you know, it's 
it's it's about people. It's about bodies and 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 where they can fit. Um, what makes the most sense? Well, I still say like eliminating the U.S. title and just keeping I the the Intercontinental title on one show would be my more preferred method. But you having said that and explaining it so well, maybe you do this. Maybe it's two world champs. And then you have the Intercontinental title and the tag titles on one show. And you have the U.S. title and the women's title on another show. Because they have enough good women now. And it appears that somebody has learned that women can't wrestle. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Um, that, 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 could, that could keep the fans interested in a similar way that the tag titles do. So you would have something there that's just below, you know, world and 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 uh, next step down title, whether it's U.S. or Intercontinental, that would keep the fans interested. And to a certain extent, if you have tag tag team fans, you know, because like you said, it's so much content, people are going to start picking and choosing which shows they watch. So if mm-hmm. you're into tag team wrestling, which I know some people who are, you're going to watch that show. If you're into the, you know, if you're into the women's title. Thank God they stopped calling it the Divas title, the fucking idiots. You know, if you're into the women's title, <laughs> then you'll watch the other show. And mm-hmm. the WWE is just going to have to accept that, that, that some of those people aren't going to cross over. Unless there's a, you know, a, a, a U.S. title or world title holder on the show and they're not watching that they like. You know, like uh, the, the gal Jen, who's I was hoping she had tweeted recently so I could remember what the hell her last name is. I've known her since, like, I don't know, 2004 or something like that. You mean, you mean Jan, Jana Bullock? Yeah, uh, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? I uh, yeah, I don't remember how you pronounce. There she is, Jen. No, Jen Von Lee. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. She's she's long, long time wrestling fan. She's from the UK. I met her back in the Morphe Nation days. That kind of stuff. Very cool person. Um, you know, she's a huge fan of Dean Ambrose. I want to say Malenko every time, which again dates me. Um, she's a humongous fan of Dean Ambrose. So she's going to watch, she basically said, good, then I only have to watch the show that Dean Ambrose is on. And, and, and so, you know, you're going to have that whether you want it or not, but give the people what they want. Like, I don't know where Dean's at card-wise, but there, I know there's a lot of people that really, really like Dean Ambrose. So give him, you know, put him in the mix for the IC title. Or if he's world, if he's close to the top, then give him, put him in the mix for the world, you know, world title. Mm-hmm. But, it, but put him on one show because that's where people are going to go. They're not going to watch the other show. It's just how it's going to have to work, unfortunately. And I think in the end, the, the the loss on ratings on one is going to be made up for by the other. You know, I think when you look at the total total package, I mean, John's going to be going through you. You're going to be going through your DVR Monday through Friday because isn't isn't fucking Lucha Libre on Thursdays or Fridays? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's a show that I I fit I fit in when I can. Yeah. Well, that's a great thing about the DVR because it got to the point during the Attitude Era where I'd kind of gotten in a groove of who I wanted to watch and who I didn't. So even on nights when I had a, I could find a free, you know, a TV that nobody was watching or, or, you know, I wasn't going to bother anybody watching it, uh, being out of just out of high school and in college, um, I would still tape it on VHS because then I could fast forward through the parts I didn't give a fuck about, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think you're going to see that phenomenon again, but in the end, WWE between NXT and Raw and SmackDown, they'll still get good ratings. I don't think, unless they just completely flurp it again and fuck it up, they're still going to get better ratings than they're getting right now. You're just going to have to accept that fans are going to pick and choose depending on how you run it down. 
But mm-hmm. my overall point, and then we'll get the hell out of here because I know we're running running longer than we normally do. My overall point is, is they just had too fucking many titles, and it just got so damn confusing. Nobody, I just stopped giving a shit about who was champion of what. Yeah, you know, and you gotta lessen that somehow. I get that, you know, ever you want to try and get fans to watch both shows, but once you accept that's not going to happen, then you just do away with titles that, you know, we all know titles can be brought back at any time. They've done it how many different times, you know, because the world, mm-hmm. uh, the WCW title or what they're, what they call the world heavyweight titles gone away and come back how many times since they bought WCW? Oh, so, yeah, several times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyways, uh, first, uh, that, I'm good if you're good, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, we will announce when episode 300 is. It's going to be sometime next week. It'll either be its normal day if we can't get anything else worked out. Uh, Glace wasn't able to be here tonight, so we're going to have to talk to him. I talked to a couple other people, but at some point next week we will do episode 300. It'll be kind of a retrospective show. We're going to try and do it when people that. We know personally in the audience can be there when other people can be there because we are going to do it live on Twitch. Uh, it means I'm going to have to get off my ass and work out the logistics of exactly how I want to do that now between two boxes because I definitely want to run the Twitch off of the newer box. Um, and it will be a live show. It'll be us just kind of wrapping up and probably talking memories and acting like old men in a, uh, including Glycinator. Uh <laughs> In an old folks' home, talking about the glory days of five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, but until then, so we will announce on Facebook. I'll try and get it out on Twitter. If nothing else, my Twitter feed, which I'll give you my account here at the end of the thing. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, we have a ton of ways you can do that. First off is our Facebook. Shoot us a friend request, uh, unless you're an obvious bot. We will accept it. But then that Facebook is WonderPod Online. All one word, one or pod online. And even when the podcast goes off the air, there will still be things on the Facebook. That's because we have a website. It's wonderpodonline.com. Wonderpodonline.com. Where when I post this podcast, there's an embedded player. You can listen to it via web browser and you'll be able to, after the show is over and done with, uh, I post videos there. Uh, Glycinator posts there from time to time. Pat, it's just, even if nothing else happens, it's going to be the living archive of WonderPod. We have a Twitter account. It's at WonderPod Online. All one word at WonderPod Online. You can follow that for links of all the other crap I was telling you about. We have YouTube channels. Uh, the WonderPod Online YouTube channel. Glacinator's got a YouTube channel. The What Chris Does YouTube channel. The Olivia Made This YouTube channel. Though Bruce has once again forgot to look up Andrew's YouTube channel. But forgive me, I'm <laughs> running on like two and a half to three hours sleep at this point. Uh, the Bruce McGee YouTube channel uh twitter account youtube yeah yeah oh yeah we're on itunes at archive.org uh screw is itunes is getting any more it is important to note and i'll say this again next week that archive.org has been a rock for us for six plus years uh all 300 it was 311 today john so this will be we'll be at 313 and if you take out even though i consider it part of the wonder part of the universe if you take out the stampede wrestling one or two Stampede Wrestling shows that was done, and that, that like I said, it's part of the WonderPod universe, but it wasn't really necessarily WonderPod. Uh, but you keep in the best of and spoiler cast, we're probably going to be like at 310 recorded episodes when we go off the air next week. So, um, but you can check it out there. And if none of that works for you, we have an email address. It's WonderPod at WonderPodOnline.com. WonderPod at WonderPodOnline.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter, and I will try and tweet out when we're going to be uh, doing the final show. At O-R-I-G-I-M. Or you can follow John on Twitter. 
At John Keogh, J-O-N-K-E-H-O-E. Until episode 300. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm also out of here. See you, people. Dun, dun, dun. All right, take care, everybody. Good night. Good night.